to my pain. Your glory and victory, it's mine too. Mm, that completely dissolves competition and comparison. You don't compare yourself to someone else who's in this place. Because if you do, you compare yourself, what you do is you sentence yourself to never be all that you can be. You sentence yourself to be locked down in the box of another individual, whether you know it or not. You cannot compare yourself to any, any other person. All you can be is the best you you can be in God. Mm, that was a good one. Anyways, <laughs> I'm feeling ministered too. All right, I'm ready to go. Uh, as uh, Speaking of new life, uh, my wife and I, we had our second child here eight months ago. Uh, most of you guys know we have a little boy. His name's Lincoln. He's three. And we just had Reagan Grace, and she's eight months. We have a few shots. I, I wanted to bring a uh, show. We can roll those shots when you're ready. Yeah, there she is. Oh, my. Yeah, there's, there's, there she is. There's my wife, Casey. Yeah, she definitely a holy hottie. Uh, holy and hot. You know, it's a great combination. It's like peanut butter and chocolate. She is my Reese's peanut butter cup. Holy hottie, good thing to be. And, um, and actually, we actually made a new t-shirt. It says holy hottie on it. It says uh, beauty starts in the heart. Isn't that true? Our uh, hotness comes from our holiness, from our, uh, that consuming fire that burns away every impurity. And out of that life, out of that beauty, and ladies, you are made to, to display the beauty of God. That aspect of him, you are beautiful, and beauty comes from the inside out. Uh, I don't know if some of you got to know and meet uh, my late grandma, uh, Dean. But in her age, in her age, the beauty that poured out of that woman, mm, that's, that's the kind of beauty I want, except in a masculine form, of course. Okay, just, I know, it's a little... Uh, uh, some of you guys are a little tenuous this morning after that morning display, but <clears throat> we're family here. And um, uh, let's see, do we have another shot? We got, let's see if we have something of my little guy. Here's Lincoln, I think. There he is, tearing up the neighborhood on his bike there. And I think we have one more. He, he's a little daredevil. He is going down a driveway, probably at about 15 miles per hour on that little Diego tricycle. It scares me, but um, I have to let him grow into his manhood. So uh, <laughs> we're letting him get all of that. Um, yeah, so I've, um, we've got a couple other things I'll share, and then we'll head into the message this morning. Um, most of you guys know my wife and I, we've written a book called The Divine Matchmaker, and uh, it's about how do you know when it's the right time and the right person at the right time. And that's for singles. How many of you know that our young ones and our singles, whether you've been married and you're not married anymore, wherever you're at, we need some help in relationships in our country and our nation. Well, we talked about, Casey and I talked about our course into romance and into purity. And my very first kiss ever was on the wedding altar to Casey, my bride. Yeah, cool. I'm not saying that you can't kiss or whatever. Um, I'm just saying that in my heart, that was a gift that I felt like I was supposed to. But you can have all the romance, but all the purity. You can, you can have it both. The book talks about how do you do that? How do you take it so that you can, uh, the intoxicating feelings that come with romance, 
that God, are God-given and beautiful, how to enjoy them but not be inebriated by them or intoxicated by them. How do you walk down that road? So we have that uh, book. It's called The Divine Matchmaker, and uh, it'll be in the back afterwards. It looks like this. I know some of you guys are like, well, I don't really read. So that's why my wife and I, we uh, made an audio version so you could listen to it. <laughs> And that's my wife and I, we read through the whole book. And some of you guys, ah, I don't even like that. You know, I wait till the movie comes out. Well, we do have a DVD as well. Uh, it's my wife and I, uh, my, talking over the major points, Casey and I, over, over that book. So, um, you know, you know what's the great thing about investing in young lives is that you know all of the work and effort and counseling that it takes when relationships come together and then they're broken apart? Uh, we can save a lot of that stuff for this generation and spend our resources in helping the young ones come out. I attended some of the Sunday school classes here. Um, I, I have uh, been prayed for by Don, some of the most amazing altar moments he's spoken into my life. Uh, and I know that there's, all in my junior high years, I, and I know that there's a generation that desperately needs you to be all that you're supposed to be, to be at your height to be at your full blossom of who you are. And, uh, and we, our young children also need that too. As they're growing up, they need a mom. They need a dad. And, um, and so th- hopefully that will be a helpful thing. There's some other great CDs and some other things. I'll just leave with these two t-shirts because I, th- I love this one. This one says, Modest is Hottest. I love that. And um, yeah, I, uh, I made one of these for actually Reagan. It's on one of her onesies. Just as she's in children's church, I don't want any of those other, you know, eight-month-year-old guys getting any ideas. So I'm just already preparing, preparing for the day. You know, you know guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? You, when a guy comes over, meets your daughter, you're like, hi, uh, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Shotgun and Mr. Shovel. You know, let, let me just start there, and uh, we'll move, move forward. <laughs> yeah, we're up in the hills. We know what this is all about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and lastly, uh, this one says, I'm mantastic, and uh, it's, it's for all the men in the house. Genesis 2-7 says, God breathed the breath of, breath of life into Adam, and uh, then he was placed in the garden. Uh, men, we weren't made in the garden, we were made in the wild. And, uh, you know, you, you can... Uh, it, it's a combination of fantastic and mantastic, if you didn't get that. But, uh, but men... <laughs> We got to be men. We got to, we got is there any men in the house this morning? Yeah, I'm definitely feeling your menergy this morning. That was, yeah, that was a fantastic moment. We'll go out, get some manwiches a little bit later. That's uh, a good, good moment. So just a few, few fun things that I have, and there's some other great books that I've written, and they'll be totally helpful for you. And uh, let's dive in today. Anyone newly engaged in here? Anyone newly engaged back here? Awesome. You're, you're engaged. Uh, yeah, just dating. And awesome, you are making this very difficult, Pastor. Um, let's let's see. Uh, and that's his whole intention. Yeah, over here. Awesome. Did uh, did either of you guys get a diamond? Did you get a diamond? Yes. Awesome. Do do most of the ladies in here love diamonds or what? Right. Some of the ladies that are trying to be spiritual are like, no, I don't really like diamonds that much. You are such a liar. Whatever. Whatever. If some guy told you that he got you a diamond, it was like a cubic zirconium, it, that man wouldn't cease to live, okay? That, you know. You, you, and why is that? Well, I think, you know, women have um, an intuition that God has given them in general, 
It's given them this insight to see spiritual things. I, I think the difference between men and women is that women are connected with their feelings and their insight, and that helps with their connectivity to their spirit. And, and it's, it, they come connected out of the box. But men, we don't have the wires attached when we come out, right? We come out and you marry a, a good woman, right? You get married, you're together, and all of a sudden, you know, us guys were sitting there and they start saying, so, um, Joel, um, so when you were playing soccer when you were a kid, and you loved playing soccer, and your dad wasn't on the sideline, um, are you just okay with that? You know, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good, you know. I mean, I didn't like it, but it was good. So that day when your team was down, and you came back and you scored the winning two goals, and the crowd went wild, and all the other kids' fathers were there, sitting on the sideline cheering, and yours wasn't there, you're just okay with that? And all of a sudden, it's, okay, okay, all right. You know, the wire gets connected. You start watching Dr. Phil. You, know, doing, you watch Bambi twice in the same year. I mean, just weird things begin to happen, and they help connect some of those wires back together. And I think that women, part of the reason they love diamonds so much is I think that it's telling us something about our spirituality telling us something about what's going on, the human story. You know, it's so interesting. The densest material, one of the densest natural materials made on the earth is rock. Light can't penetrate it. And here it is. And as it goes and it's under pressure and stress and heat over a long period of time, this rock that is impenetrable by light then crystallizes and becomes a diamond which receives light and then refracts it out. You see, in our life, we will experience tremendous pressure and stress. The human being will experience a tremendous amount of heat and pressure but it's talking about this formation. It's speaking, the diamond is speaking of this formation. And so when the woman or the man, I have a little tiny sliver of a diamond in there, or a man wears, and guys like diamonds too, we just like it like in a Super Bowl ring or something. You know, we, a little more, yeah, we like it too. But it speaks of the very human existence that we are living. It speaks of the hope in the future that our darkness and denseness can someday be transformed into something glorious. It talks of a rebirth, a total evolution, a total transformation. Once dark rock impenetrable by the light, now something totally new, one of the hardest substance on earth, something that receives light and refracts it and displays beautifully and gloriously. It is the story of our life. You know, women also like flowers, you know. How many ladies like flowers in here? Yes. You know you do. Some of you ladies are like, yeah, it's okay, whatever. Whatever. Anyways, I, I, I know this is California. It's confusing for some of us guys, right? You don't know if you should pay or not pay. You know, am I trying to buy your love? Am I trying to buy you? Or, you know, sometimes it's confusing. Guys, let's just pay. Let's just do it. And... Um, <laughs> Don't be intimidated. Man up. Man up. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting about a flower, right? It's, it's, um, you don't really discover what it is. Most of us can't tell. It's this green plant. Looks like everything else, right? But as it pushes up towards the light, 
as it reaches and, and draws from its strength and its roots, all of a sudden at some point, as it reaches up, as it works, as it becomes, it blossoms into what it's always destined to be. You see, this life is more than just about this life. This life is more than just about the accumulation of things or the accumulations of, um, I don't know, what people think of you, the accumulation of degrees, the accumulation of money, wealth, any of that stuff. This life is about blossoming into all that you're supposed to be. If I could could put it this way, it's like we have come to this planet, good, creative souls. Genesis 126 says we are made in the image of God. There is a God peace inside of us, this glorious, good, amazing, created, creative spirit that's inside of us. There's this amazing thing, and it's it's beautiful, and it's I, I can't I can't stress the beauty of this thing. But we've come to this planet. And I call this planet Earth University. God has allowed us to have a three-dimensional, fully interactive, millions of characters all across this world to interact with where our actions actually have repercussions and our spirit and soul is growing. Remember, Jesus said, I want us to be one. So what does that mean? God is his own whole purpose is to draw us up like a flower into our blossom greatness to make us like him what is righteousness i know some people say it's being right with god i think that's a little confusing righteousness is being just like god and that is our birthright and inheritance and god will not stop until you have it because he is love So some of us are feeling the wind and the storm and the pressure and it's cold and we don't feel God close to us and we're in the middle of the storm and God in his mercy sends it because their buds are just a little bit too hard. Maybe we can soften them up, Jesus, with a little bit of wind, a little bit of rain so that they can become all they're supposed to become. You know, some of us, we get down on temptation. I actually don't think temptation is that bad of a thing. I know the Bible says that temptation is uh, God doesn't tempt anyone. And, um, but temptation, here's what it gives us the opportunity to do. Temptation gives us the opportunity to see something, either to choose to plant a seed that will produce one harvest that is bad, or to plant a seed and to go and do a, get something else that is good. And that temptation gives us a conscious choice to deny that thing so that we can consciously move down the road into oneness with God. Instead of not having the awareness at all and just living your life and planting the seed that makes your life, that you reap that harvest, that makes your life a one repeated lesson over and over and over and over again. You see, the shortcut comes when you consciously choose. You have the awareness, okay, this leads to death. This leads to life. I consciously choose. I'm tempted to do wrong. You have in that moment your most powerful moment that is in your life at that point that you can consciously choose to be one with God, to take one more step closer to him so that you don't have to learn the hard way. 
Temptation is a great gift. I've often wondered why did God put the tree in of the knowledge of the fruit of good and evil? Because he was, caught, he was wanting Adam and Eve, he was wanting humanity to rise up and to consciously be able to have the choice and not just to make the same choices over and not know why and it be hard and difficult. God was giving us a shortcut. Moving us from addition to multiplication. Instead of spending the time saying three plus three plus three plus three plus three plus three plus three, he was saying three times ten. Here's how you do it. Now you're there. It's 30. You see, whatever truth that you have, you need to begin to walk in it. And more will be given. Whatever light that you have, start there. Some of us get overwhelmed with the Bible. How do I act religiously? I, I mean, the Bible, there's so many rules and there's so many things. How, how do I get it out? Don't worry about that. Just do what you know to do today and don't do what you know not to do today. If you work in the truth that you have, you start working with addition and subtraction, it won't be long till you're ready for multiplication. And once you get multiplication down and division, then you're ready for some pre-algebra. Some algebra, some pre-calc, some, you go down the road. But if we never learn the basics, If we never say, okay, I've got two roads, which road will I, I'm tempted? Thank God I'm being tempted. That means I have awareness. Because some people never have awareness and they just do the stupid thing over and over and keep having the hard life that they want. Some of you have been repeating your life over and over and over and over and over and over because you keep planting the seed and whatever seed you plant, you will reap But you have the conscious choice to become one with Christ. And who is the one who teaches us? Jesus himself. Who else could? John 1, 1 through 3 tells us that everything that was made was made through Jesus. So if he made us in his image, and he is the eternal son of God who wills to do the Father's will, that's what he loves to do, who else can teach us to be eternal children of God, to will to do what the Father wills to do? It is him. And so when we hear Christ or the Spirit of Christ the Holy Spirit, come and whisper in our ear. It is not to penalize us. It is not to steal our joy. It is to release us into our birthright, which is righteousness, which is being like God, which is being just one whole amazing thing that outpours unconditional love. And so this good spirit inside of us, Jesus' mentorship and teaching is to take this good creative spirit and then to take our body, which is, has some issues, and we know the fall had some issues in our mind and our will, and to take all of it together and to align it together, to bring our body and our mind so that our, the good spirit, amazing image of God comes together and our spirit and the Holy Spirit breathes through our life and like an instrument, all aligned, a beautiful symphony comes out of our life and Jesus all he's trying to do he's not trying to be mean he's just trying to get us to align what is already true in our spirit and heart and the Holy Spirit inside of us he's trying to say okay don't don't deceive here don't cheat on your taxes I know it's tax time yeah you could try to take that or whatever but but don't do that you don't need to do that and so what we do is we, we choose the choice. Am I going to plant a seed that will come back to me on earth school? Because his whole goal is to get you your birthright and your inheritance. His whole goal is to make you blossom, is to turn you from denseness into a diamond. 
so that your spirit is a shining bright light and it starts here and now. We are in class. So listen, some of you, you're struggling with this thing. Well, you don't understand, Joel. This person did me wrong. And look, nothing happened to their life, but they did me wrong. Don't worry about it. Earth school will take care of it. What you sow, you will reap. You can be free. You just do. But you don't understand. They cheated me. They did this to me. They don't. Hold on. You don't have to worry about that. Remember, love, love, God, unconditional love created the universe, created this planet. It works in that mode. The selfish life does not work on this planet. May work short term, but ultimately you will have to face and you will reap what you sow. Welcome to earth school. We're in a class. Welcome to your earth university. How are we doing on our tests? But it's hard right now. Maybe God is trying to soften an area of your life. To blossom and to become all it's supposed to be. If you cheat others, you will be cheated. If you manipulate others, you will be manipulated. If you use others, you will be used. If you love others, you will be loved. If you give, it will be given unto you. See, I think a lot of us, we've been repeating the the class over and over. We've been doing the same things. It's time to let it go. You know, it's so interesting inside of us. Inside of us, there's a a heart inside, the Bible describes, but there's this weird dynamic. There's this like good spirit thing going on here. You know, we often show it as little like an angel and devil on the shoulders or whatever, but there's this good spirit, this thing that's connected to God that wants to do right, but then there's this other thing in there. The Bible calls it the flesh or the carnal nature. You could call it an ego. You could call it, it's that little voice that's in your mind. It, mostly we hear it when we're driving. You actually will like give it a voice, you know. Okay, go ahead and cut me off. It's saying, hey, hey, what, what about me? It's saying, or, or in other terms, you don't know me? It's okay, let me give you an example. You don't go out to eat for a long time, and you're looking for this great, awesome meal. And you love this meal. You go to this expensive restaurant, but you only go there once in a while because it's so expensive. And you go there, and they bring out your food, and it's totally cold. What is the response there? Is the response there, how dare you do this to me? Or is the response factual? Because we've got to be factual. You can't just close your eyes. You can deal in the facts. Hey, you know, the waiter, it's not their fault. It's the chef's fault, right? They're just the messenger. Hey, you know, my food's cool. Can I get some more? It's not a personal, it's not this living thing that tries, our ego tries to take over everything. Our heart, our spirit, it's trying to, or, or, it tries to take over our heart. It's almost like our heart, our real heart, our real spirit has been kidnapped. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. You know, it's where the kidnapped person falls in love or ends up loving the person who steals them. And most of us, we, didn't, we, we aren't even aware that that thing isn't really us. That that thing is our kidnapper. That that thing is the stealer of our life, is the abuser of our life. 
and we're actually addicted to it sometimes. And our music, a lot of our culture, in our culture, loves to pump it up. And all the commercials love it. We try to find our life in something. And it, the ego or the flesh can move into anything, whether that's a, um, well, look at how I dress. I've, you know, this is, this is ego. And you know it's ego when you take it away and you're not feeling comfortable anymore. Or it can take the life in a victim mentality. Well, I'm the victim. You know, this has happened to me. And we make that our identity and our story. And so what you end up doing is you end up being victimized your whole life. But not only that, you feel you are the victim, so you have the right to victimize others because you're just trying to make it to the top always. So the victim becomes the one who victimizes others, but then takes no responsibility and says, well, you know, that wasn't really what was going on, da, 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 and never confess up. It's the ego. And let me just give you an example how we've been kidnapped by our heart. I was in, before I was married, I was in college, my college days. I was living in an apartment. It was the most ghetto place I'd ever lived in my life. Literally, I had a big wooden stick that I'd kill rats with in the morning time. I'd put a little notch in there each time. I'd get a little rat. It was, it was exciting and fearful all at the same time. And um, during that time, downstairs, there, I had some neighbors. I had a couple kids, husband and wife. And um, I came up to my stairs, and I saw the, the lady crying there. I said, hey, what's going on? She said, hey, you know, and she broke down. She said, my husband is abusing me. Um, he's beating me. Um, uh, and I looked at her, and I said, hey, if, when you're ready to go, I'll do whatever I can to help you. But I know that if she's not ready to go, no matter what I do, she, it's not going to help. I can't want it more than she wants it, Right? And so a few weeks later, she came over, and she's like, okay, she's crying again. She's like, okay, I'm ready to go. I was heading out of town to fly to an acquire the fire to go speak for the weekend. And so I called up Casey, who we were just friends at this time, and they had a whole apartment of girls. And I said, hey, can we have her go over to your apartment? I'm about to fly out. Go over to your apartment before we get her into the, the woman's shelter. And she said, sure, fine. So they, we got, get her over there. And she's over there, and while she's there... She, after a few hours, she begins to miss her husband. And so she calls him. And of course, you know, like, like most people, they, like he knew exactly where they were dialing from. We can get the address and the number, you know, pops up and all that. And Casey and her roommates didn't know. So he starts calling back saying, I'm going to come get you. I'm going to hurt you all. Luckily, she lived in an apartment complex, so it didn't define which apartment address. So he didn't know. They got her to the woman's shelter. And uh, I'll just finish the story and kind of come back to the point. Um, Got her there safely. Um, I was thinking as I was coming home that Sunday, okay, if this guy, if I see this guy, I'm going to have to fight. Okay? I just, I was like... I know that it's, it is going to be on when I see him. So I pull up, and there, almost like he was waiting for me, he's standing there. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, do me like Samson right now. <laughs> okay. So I start walking up to, the, you know, this guy, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to have to fight this guy off. I'm, I'm like, I can just see the headlines, you know, national youth preacher decides not to turn the other cheek, you know, whatever. I'm thinking to myself, okay. So I start walking out, and I'm like, I know that I'm not going to let fear eat me up because when, you know, like, just like a dog, he knows he's, you're just inviting that thing to come on. So of course I stick out my chest and I'm acting like, okay. 
Nothing's, everything's cool. And then I start to see his hand come up like this. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, I'm going to be stabbed or shot right now. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, WWCND, what would Chuck Norris do? Okay, then. His hand continues to come up, and it reaches out, and it shakes my hand. And somehow, I don't know how this happened, he said, this weekend I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Don't ask. Some of you guys are like, man, he's so spiritual. No, I was going to beat the dude up. I'm not that spiritual. I'm like, you don't know me. BC, bro, before Christ. What up? What's up? The point I was making, that's just kind of a fun point at the end, but the point I was making is just like that woman who was abused, this individual was beating her, was killing her, was the very source of her pain in her life. She was addicted to it. And that's how this relationship with our heart is. This ego side, this part of us that must die, this part that Jesus is trying to get back in alignment, trying to make it and heal it so that it fits where it's supposed to fit so that it becomes what it's supposed to come in your life, becomes a song lined up with the good spirit, amazing spirit inside of you. Hebrews 2.10 tells us that uh, they always go astray in their hearts. See, that's the problem. This is the issue of humanity. Our hearts are, are filling in this flesh, this carnal nature. We're going away from the things of God. We don't trust God's strength and his goodness. We don't trust that he is good enough, smart enough, wise enough, present enough, involved enough, wealthy enough to take care of all of our needs. And so what we do is we respond out of fear and we create our future. You see, I think we have two choices, and this is back to that temptation point, is we either can choose to live our life out of love which is in line with God and the earth that he has made. We can live it out of unconditional love or we can choose to live it out of fear. And I'm putting everything in fear, anger, jealousy, comparison, uh, everything else we can put in there because I really believe fear, what fear really is, is a lack or believing that there is a lack of love. Let me just give you an example. Okay, so why do we, sometimes you, you got the person who works all this time, they're always working, they neglect their family, do all this stuff, it's because they have a fear, either they're not gonna be financially stable or they won't measure up to other people or they won't measure up to their community. They don't rest in God's love. No, God loves me. I'm a beautiful, created, awesome spirit. That's who I really am. And only his recognition, only what he says about me really matters. See, love is a totally, okay, what about um. Oh, lust. Okay, let's put it in the fear box. Well, here, men often struggle with this, but ladies do too. So they, they look at pornography and they are able to maybe inside, they don't feel like they have what it takes. They don't feel like they have what it takes to win the woman's heart and then, you know, win the woman's body and continue to win the woman's heart. So what's the shortcut? They don't know if they can have that authentic love. So the shortcut is, is that we go and we get this end result, this one piece without any of the love involved. 
But when we trust in God and we let him father us, we let him strengthen us, we trust him that he has a someone beautiful, a perfect soul for us. If he does have someone for us and whatever that will would be, we just say, God, it's yours. And then out of that, we can begin to walk in love instead of fear. You see, your intention is the seed that will create your future of what you will reap. Because you can do good Christian things, right? I'm up here, but if I'm up here because I need to be seen, because I don't feel God's love, that he sees me and he's in me and he's proud of me and he's working in me. So I do some Christian things because I want to be seen or I do other things. All of a sudden, that's my seed that I plant based out of fear. And guess what? What's coming back to me? Earth school will bring me back fear till I learn the lesson of love. But when you act out of love, guess what? You plant seeds and you reap and earth school opens up for you. And the next phase of your life, the next phase of love and beauty, you begin to walk down that road. What is our intention? What are we thinking about? Hebrews 2.10, once again, they always go astray in their heart. Jeremiah 24.7, which was talking about Christ the Messiah. This was one of the promises of what Jesus would do. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. No longer acting out of our flesh, our ego. No longer acting out of this thing out of fear, but acting out of a whole heart of love. Where Jesus takes our, our ego, takes our uh, flesh, takes our body, takes all of that, he works on it and he brings it all together so that even here and now, we can become more of the diamond, the flower, blossom into the glory of who God has always defined us to be. You're in the pressure cooker. You're in the stress of life. God is making you into something. But what about my rights? They shouldn't do me wrong. Listen, they should not. That's okay, factually. But what's, what, is, what is it building out of your response? Do you let it feed your ego? Do you respond out of anger? Do you respond out of fear? Do you respond out of these things? Or do you factually analyze and say, okay, this was not right. This was not correct. What can we do about this? You constructively move forward and you go in that process. It's not about you. It's about the situation. And here's the most beautiful thing. I'm just throwing this in on the side here is that when we begin to look at every person as a beautiful creative spirit that maybe is under a demonic enchantment, but underneath all of that vile, all of that filth, all of that, ugliness all of that hatred inside there is a good soul and being that it will is an eternal thing we begin to look through the ego we look through the hurt and we see the good individual now we don't ignore the ego we don't say oh it doesn't exist they're a good person they're a good person it doesn't exist it doesn't exist they're a good person they're a good person. no no they are a good person but you need to be well aware of what their ego and what their hurt and what they are, their character is like but what that does is now you see, okay, let's say the person is dealing with, they, need, they feel inferior, so they let this part of themselves rise up, this ego part of them, and now they're going to try to be superior, how they dress, how they act, whatever. And so they begin, anyone who begins to rise up around them, they compare themselves and try to push them down. It is not personal against you. It is just their issue. 
You see, when we can take it out of the personal range, it, it loses its sting. It's not your problem. And a lot of us, we think, oh, what's my problem? What can I do better? What? No, no, no. You, it's not your issue. And yes, you can get better and whatever. But usually when it's a person in that situation, it's their problem. It's their ego. And so then you don't have to take it personally. Because they do that to anyone. It's not you, Saul. Yes, Saul aimed his spear at David, but anyone who would have risen up like that, Saul would have aimed his spear at. And so guess what that allows you to do? Forgive. You did me wrong. You know what? I've done all that I can to try to rectify this thing, but our school will take care of it. God will take care of it. Oh, now that's freedom. See, when you're stuck in your past, you can't grab a hold of your present and your future. When we don't forgive and let go and move on with what we're called to be, with our purpose. Some of us, we are so tied to the past, we can't even give our kids what they need. Some of us, we need to cut off some of those emotional things that are pulling us down because all that you're required to handle emotionally is your family and your kids. And let some of those people, you gotta let go. You gotta love them. I'm not saying you hate them. I'm just saying that if they are pulling all your emotional energy and you can't give to your own kids, you can't give to your own spouse. Some of us, we feel so like we're Christians, so I have to do the right thing. I have to spend time helping this person. Yes, you have to help the person, but sometimes the best thing to do is to not help them and enable them anymore. But to take care of your kids and your spouse, to build a little refuge of love. You see, if we're always, always in the dungeon with people who don't want to walk out of their cells that are open, we can never teach our families to walk in the light. And so what do we do? We repeat the the curse all over again. I want to invite you today to walk in the light. Christ Jesus, he has come to bring our hearts so that we can return with our whole hearts so we don't have to walk out of fear. You see, this part of the born-again experience is awareness. It's part of our spiritual journey. I don't even think we can make the decision to follow Christ except for his grace. He comes and awakens us and he's working on us, all this stuff. And then we finally like, oh yeah, God's real. I came up with that. He's like, okay, that's cool. It's like your kids, you know, you walk around them, you pick up sharp objects, you're like totally setting them up and they're like, I totally did this, you know? God's, God is doing the same thing. Mm. Jesus is here, the part of the spiritual, part of the Holy Spirit, part of the born again experience is awareness that once, once what you were doing is no longer right. And now the most positive word in the Bible, repentance, is an option for us. I have this. I was going this way. I was planting this seed, doing this with my life. I thought it was okay. I thought it was fighting for my rights. But what I've been doing is actually making my life hard and it's been broken. So we have the choice to repent, no longer act out of fear, to walk out in love. Yes, you did me wrong. I love you. I got to move on. I forgive you. I got to move on. You broke my trust. Trust takes time to build. Forgiveness and trust are two different things, okay? 
Forgiveness says, I forgive you, I let you go, but it's going to take time to build trust. So you forgive and you move on and you're open, but you're, but you're aware. And you walk out in love and your life begins to change. Your life becomes, it opens up to you, more comes to you. Mm. Jesus is the one who gives us that awareness and then trains us. He's our teacher, right? So when you hear that thing, don't, hey, don't talk to that person that way. Don't, 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 don't respond that way. We have a choice. Can we respond in anger or hatred or whatever? Or are we going to respond a different way and you create your future one decision at a time? Why do some people seem like they are just growing in grace and mercy and greatness and all the beautiful, wonderful, grace-filled things that come out of their life? And even though they may not have as much or whatever, but they're happy, they're peaceful, they're graceful. Why do you think that happens? It's one decision, walking in the light that they have. Walking in the truth that they have. They get down, multiple, or they get down addition, they move to multiplication. And it it moves them at a faster pace because now he's, they've got shortcuts. Instead of the fear-based, you can learn this way. You can learn the hard way. How many of you have learned the hard way? Right? Some of us, we got to learn some things the hard way. I've learned the hard way, and we just keep doing it over, and we do it over, and we do it. But you don't have to keep doing that over and over. This is the great thing about Christ. He gives us awareness, then all of a sudden we have a choice to choose. What are you choosing? What is the Holy Spirit bringing up in you now that you have been choosing one way, and you've been doing it over and over and over and over. And what is he saying to do this way? You see, a, a spiritual strong life or a life that is aligned up, it, isn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It has to be earned. When you walk into the Lord's gym and you're going in there, you cannot lift more than you can lift at that moment. To get strong, it takes effort. It takes a decision. It takes time. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to lift. I'm going to choose this choice. I don't feel like choosing this choice, but I'm going to do this because it's good and right, and, and I want to get stronger. I want to be healthy. I want to be active. So it doesn't feel good in the moment, but you choose the decision anyway, and you reap the benefits of a strong life. Instead of hobbling along, you're, you're running hurdles. And that's where God wants to take every single one of us in this room. No more repeating forgiveness 101 over and over and over again. No more repeating, well, this is my rights, over and over and over and over again. No more repeating, well, I don't know if I can do that, so I'm not even going to try, over and over and over and over again. And we plant the seed and we reap the harvest. We plant the seed and we reap the harvest. And God is rooting for us and has given us the consciousness and the awareness to choose. He has given us the power through Christ. We just have to do what we know to do. You do not have to know all of the Bible right now. You just have to do what you know to do. Walk in the light that you have. Let me remind us of one other scripture. 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Now this scripture, when we take it in the context of what we've been talking about this morning, opens up in a brand new way. We have a choice to choose fear, but our spirit is not of fear. Or we have a choice to choose love, power, and a sound mind. One translation says, love, power, and self-discipline. So this is what our spirit inside, the Holy Spirit living inside of our spirit, inside has this knowing of love and power and self-discipline. So that's the awareness that comes. And we have a choice. Will I choose what's in alignment with my spirit? Love, power, and discipline. We have that moment. Soundness of mind. Or am I gonna choose to let this ego, or am I gonna choose to let this fear-based thing in my life create the future that's before me? You have not been, let me just say this again. You do not have a spirit of fear. You do not have to be afraid. You, I'm going to say something different. You are not your body. You are not even all of your thoughts. I'm not beautiful enough. You are not your body. You are a good, creative spirit that will live eternally. But people don't respond to me like they do beautiful people. Let them feel the weight of your good, creative, awesome, powerful spirit, and they'll change. Let them feel the grace and the love when they're down, and you have the strength that they wish they had because love is filling you. You've been in the gym of the spirit. You have chosen step by step to choose love. Let them see that, and they will come to you asking what it is you have. This is a new life. We do not have to have the spirit of fear. We have one of power, of love, and a sound mind. We are overcomers. It's time for us to stop looking at each other and start looking at the great spirit that's inside of us. As Philippians 2 tells us, the spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in us to will, to do, to obey God's will. You do not need to fear anymore. Well, how do I break out of my cycles? Just one step at a time. One step at a time. And as you choose love one step at a time, you choose to walk out what you really are, a spirit of power, love, and soundness, that reality, this earth school presents you with that. God's ultimate goal is to take us from this life and to cause us to transform us from denseness to light, from rock to diamond, from a plant to this blossoming, beautiful thing. So let's take, let's do what we know to do. That's it. What is it that you need, you know that you need to do today? What is it that you need to know to stop doing? You know you need to stop doing today. Let's do it. Let's do it. Would you all bow your heads today? I know that the Spirit of God is in here. And he's been speaking to you about this. He's been bringing up things in your mind. 
has something to say. He has something to work on you. And we're going to believe he's going to do that in a powerful way in just a moment. We just open our eyes right now. Let me just share this last little thought. <laughs> now I want to give us a challenge. How many of you guys have seen that movie Tangled? Have you guys seen that movie Tangled? Okay, some of the guys in here, they're like, well, you know, I, you know my kids wanted to see it, so, you know, I ended up going to that Disney show. But, but if you haven't seen the, the movie Tangled, it's, a, it's about Rapunzel, and she's, she's up in a tower, right? She's a stolen princess, and she has been stolen by this woman who poses as her mom. She's locked up in a tower. Well, she eventually uh, gets out, and she could have gotten out of that tower anytime she wanted to, but she was up there for 18 years of her life. So when, it, when the time came, she finally got out of the tower, and um, I, you know, there was a guy who actually came who kind of rescued her at that moment, and they went on their way, and they um, had some adventures, but ultimately, the woman who posed as her mother, who actually was her kidnapper, she manipulated her and got her to believe again the lies that she had been telling. Don't be afraid. Be afraid if you go out there because there's harmful things. You don't want to leave that tower of your heart, that kidnapper of your heart. You don't want to go out there and do that. But when she gets back, she lays on her bed and she begins to see symbols and it's the it's images of light it's the sun and it's the symbol of the kingdom that she had visited and she has this revelation at that moment i i am a son or i am a child of the king when she has that revelation she throws open her door and she says i'm not going to be i'm not going to stay in this tower anymore You see, what happened when her rescuer came, she didn't know her rescuer was really a rescuer. And so what did she do? She struck him down. She hits him with a frying pan, knocks him out. You know the scene. And when our rescuer came, we lashed out. We crucified him. And as our rescuer comes to us every day and speaks into our mind, let go of that hate. Don't don't be angry anymore. Just at least, what today could we go and try to go there just a little bit? That thing you've got locked away, that part of you that's in the tower of your heart, could we just go there a little bit? Let's just go there a little bit today. Would you come and spend some time praying, just talking with me? And we lash out. And your Savior, your Rescuer is coming every day. Do we lash out or do we choose the adventure? Do we go out into what we don't know, into the fearful, where our Savior is leading us? You see, when you know that you are a child of the King, No tower can keep you trapped. The tower of your heart, the prison of your ego, your flesh, cannot keep you captive anymore. And you're free to launch out. Or at least you're free to start fighting to get your captor off of you. 
so that you can go and live in the largeness of this world that God has given us. So that you can experience the goodness of this planet. This world is teaching us about God. The sky tells us as we look up of God's infiniteness. The diamond speaks of our life, our struggle to become something more. The flower, the tree. This earth is teaching us of goodness. And just, you know, how it's said of Judas that it would have been better for him not to have been born. I think, it, I, I think it's saying he missed everything the earth was trying to teach him. All the goodness, all the great things God is trying to teach us here. He never learned it. He couldn't see the spirit of it. He was trying to force Jesus to be the the external power consolidator, to use his five senses, his power manipulation, all the things he, oh, we could totally throw this. He was trying for that. And God says, no, the battle is in here. It's in our heart. He came to save us. Isn't that the prophecy of Jesus that he would come to save his people or the people from their sin? And our sin, he comes and mentors us and we actually get saved. We leave the sin, the fear, and we choose love. And our life becomes a flute of God's breath blowing through our spirit where our actions, our hands, our thoughts, our will is only to do God's will. Not because we feel commanded or oppressed to do it, because we see that it is only the truth of what is best in all of life. God is love. Have you been trapped in the tower of your own heart? Have you been trapped in fear? Have you been trapped in manipulation? You see, that's the kidnapper, just like Rapunzel in that story. Pretending to be your authority, but really it was just a deceiving, manipulating kidnapper. You are not your flesh. You are not your ego. You are a good and creative spirit. But we got to get, we got to wake up. We got to get out of the demonic enchantment and that Jesus comes to help us forgive now. No, you don't need to fight for that. No, today you need to, you need to stand up and work towards this. Don't let them take advantage of you like that. Don't get egoic. Don't get self-centered. State the facts and stand up for your rights. And you listen and he teaches us. And he teaches us how to get the chains off of us and we take the cross and we use it like a key in our heart that unlocks the gate, unlocks the prison of our heart and Christ comes in teaches us how to untangle ourselves from what we've been trapped in and we become free. Today, if you need to be released from the tower, from the prison of your heart, today you need a transformation. You need to, to, you need to leave the fear-based life and you need to move towards the, the love-based life. In just a moment, we're going to have some time of prayer. Would everyone just close your eyes now? Just you can bow your heads. Today, if you, maybe you don't know the Lord, you are a guest invited today, and you don't even really know who Christ is, or maybe you've heard of him, but you've never heard of him in this way. You've never said, oh my goodness, I want 
some help. I want to be taught how to walk through this life. I need a teacher. And Jesus is that teacher. The Holy Spirit is, the Spirit of Christ is our counselor. It's our teacher, our mentor, our helper. And if that's you today and you're saying, I need, I'm, I need Christ, or maybe you've walked away from Jesus. You've known him, you've lived for him, but you're, in a, you're not in a good place now. The life of God is not in you. You feel dry, you feel far, but today you're saying, I want, I want to start doing what Jesus, my teacher, wants me to do. You want to come back to him and be in that relationship of love and help, of encouragement, of challenge, all the things that he does. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, I'm coming back to God? Or, yeah, you can put your hand down once you raise it up. Yep, see a few hands. You're saying, I'm either coming back or this is my first time. I want Jesus to be my teacher. I want to start out this relationship. I want to walk down this road. If you haven't raised your hand yet, but you know you need to, you're like, this, this is something that, that I do need. I see it in a way I've never seen it before. Would you raise up your hand if you haven't raised your hand? Yeah, I see those hands. You can just put them down once you're done. Yeah, anyone else? You haven't raised your hand yet, but you're saying, yep, I, I want, I want, I want to ask Jesus to be my teacher. I want to ask him to make me into the diamond that I really am. And you're, you've been away from God and you, you, you want to come back into that relationship. You want him to forgive you of your past. The awesome thing is that Jesus, he died, but he was so true. He was so much the truth, so much the light that hell that cage of shadows could not keep the light within it. And he resurrected. God resurrected him, the Father. And he's alive today to help each one of us. And his spirit is here to help each one of us. If that's you and you haven't raised your hand, but you're saying, yep, today I'm coming back. You haven't raised your hand. Would you raise it now and just say, yep, I'm, I'm coming back. Jesus, come and teach me light truth itself, love itself, come and teach me.